Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some Days of Our Lives comebacks to talk about. The first is Melissa Reeves, who will return next week as Jennifer. Now, we haven't seen Missy on screen in over a year. Katie McLean stepped in for her post-pandemic shutdown, but I am confident that Missy's presence for Christmas will make the Horton family celebration feel complete. Also coming back to days is Heather Lindell as Jan. Uh, Now, the last time we saw Jan, she fell into yet another coma, but the devil will wake her out of it, which means Heather worked closely with Deidre Hall. Uh, The last time Heather was there, she also worked with Deidre and told me that she just loved it so much and says that that bond helped their scenes this time around. So bottom line, Jan isn't gonna be too unhappy about crossing paths with Lucifer. Well, a pressing question on the minds of GH fans is whether Jeannie Francis's Laura will make it home in time for Christmas. So this week, she makes a stop en route to Port Charles and drops in on the Midwestern prison that her half-brother Cyrus currently calls home. I spoke to Jeff Kober about his on-screen reunion with Jeannie Francis, and he described what happens between the two of them when they're in scenes together as alchemy. And he said they had a lot of fun working together again. Uh, something that happens in those scenes is that Cyrus claims to Laura that he has found God behind bars, which is actually an idea that Jeff floated to us when we podcasted with him earlier this year. He said it was something his wife had come up with and that he'd mention it to the show's executive producer, Frank Valentini, and that Frank had said, that'll never happen. <laughs> uh, Jeff told me he's not sure if Cyrus is sincere or not, but he played it like he was, and he's excited to explore what spirituality might look like on a guy like Cyrus. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Um, so despite the fact that I'm Jewish, I really love the Christmas episodes on the soaps. Always have. I get very misty over the ornament hanging on days, and I just love seeing the beautifully decorated sets on all the shows and watching the stories that they have planned. So I am very excited for this year, too. Um, And there are going to be some very special holiday moments on Young and the Restless. We'll see Nick in a very special episode. His portrayer, Joshua Morrow, says it's his fourth standalone episode. And while he's very flattered, he jokes with us that he has to learn a lot more dialogue than normal, (laughs) and it makes it a little tough. Uh, On days, we're going to see Marlena crash the Horton House tree trimming uh, with some special guests in her hand. Uh, Bold and Beautiful's Foresters will mark the holiday at the mansion. And based on our photos, it looks like it will be a very happy occasion. So count me in. Well, I don't think we're in for a particularly merry Christmas on GH this year, but it will be an emotional one as two families are in mourning. The Corinthos Quartermain clans for Jason and uh, Sasha and Brando for their baby boy, Liam. The death of a baby or a child is never fun to watch, but so many storylines of this nature rank among the biggest tearjerkers on soaps for a good reason, which is that it is so devastating and so tragic and often brings out the most vulnerable and deep work in the performer's Uh, at the center of them so that not only is it really moving to the audience in the moment, but they stand out as memorable viewing experiences. And I certainly think we've seen some really top-notch work from the two actors playing out the loss of their fictional child, Sophia Matson and Johnny Wachter. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I know that killing off babies is an extremely divisive move, and this may sound awful, but I really like those stories for the very reason you said. It gives the actors so much to play, but also it's really one of the closest storylines that we get to real life, and I think it makes it easy to become invested. You know, you could argue that death should fall into that category, but when so many people turn up alive when all is said and done, it does take like the oomph out of the emotional investment you make in death when they're not really dead. Yeah. Rarely do babies turn up alive unless it's Daisy's Georgia Chelsea. Uh, so I think it's why I connect to these stories more. It, it, it feels real. You need the actors to be completely invested and clearly Sophia and Johnny are. Uh, now our guest today is Johnny Wachter. So let's get him on the line to talk about this tale and how it's going for him and poor Charles. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Stephanie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing lovely. Doing well, lovely today. Lovely is great. Uh, I am thrilled for this conversation. I kind of know almost nothing about you other than what I've read in the magazine. So now I get to hear it from you, <laughs> which is going to be great. So you grew up outside of Charleston in Somerville, South Carolina, the oldest boy in a family of three sons. So tell us about your childhood. Man, did your research. You even said South Carolina, kind of like how I would say South Carolina. Um, <laughs> It was, you know, it was a, a rough household, you know, three boys. Um, my mom was a tomboy, self-proclaimed. And um, my dad was, uh, you know, he was, he was tough on us. And so there was just a lot of, a lot of competition, uh, a, lot of, a lot of fighting and rough housing. Um, we all played sports. Um, and, but the, a lot of love, but we just, you know. We, we showed our love with uh, sarcasm and roasting each other. That was how we shout, showed our love. But it was a good childhood. I, I'm grateful I had some, uh, some loving parents, and I love my brothers, and I'm close with them today. So, Tell us about the starring role that martial arts movies played in your path to discovering your interest in performing. <laughs> um, the Three Ninjas. I don't know what year that came out, but I I watched that movie over a hundred times. Um, I wanted to be Rocky, uh, who was the oldest of three boys in that movie, um, and uh, I, I I don't know. I developed I developed a love for um, uh, any movies that had ninjas in it, um, and uh, you know, like Surf Ninjas as well, um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I never took any martial arts classes. I was always in sports, but I, I had karate costumes and ninja costumes. And, um, yeah, that just kind of like, it was, it was an escape for me when I was watching those films. Um, even though I wouldn't say that they're in the top 100 films of all time. Um, they just provided, a like a childhood escape and, and where I got to, you know, play fantasy and, you know, go outside and, um, play pretend with my friends. And, um, I think that just kind of, uh, you know, it, it just, it was, it was magic. That was the first kind of time where I would watch movies and I, you know, it was something I really wanted to do and it, but it felt out of reach. Um, but it, it, it lent me, uh, just kind of like this magical experience. That's something I always kind of wanted to be a part of. Well, you considered studying acting in college, but ultimately chose a more practical route and double majored in business and Spanish. But it was, I believe, during your college years that you first dipped your toe into acting professionally. So tell us how that came about. Yeah, um, well, I'd, I'd done theater uh, all throughout my, uh, my like childhood and, and middle school and, and high school. Um, but, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to major in, in theater in college. Um, I almost went to NYU, um, but, uh, I didn't know, I didn't have a contemporary or a classical monologue prepared yet. Um, and, uh, just not knowing how to go about getting it, going into theater and then going into the television and film world, which was always my, my goal. Um, you know, I, I took the advice of my parents, which was kind of like, okay, well, you know, if you're not ready to do that yet, or you don't know how to do it, why don't you just go to college, get the degree as a fallback prospect, you know, um, and then, and then, and then you can figure it out while you're in school. And that's what I did. So, um, you know, I, I went and I wasn't trying to double major. I just had an affinity for, for Spanish. Um, it just kind of came easy to me and I was 
you know, just taking classics because I enjoyed it. And um, I took a victory lap in college, took my fifth year um, to finish my business administration major. And I realized I only had to take one or two more classes for a Spanish major. So I was like, well, screw it. Why not? Um, but, uh, I think it was my sophomore year. I was, uh, with a modeling agency and, um, they had a casting director workshop, uh, with Richard Futch, who was, uh, casting all the local talent for army wives. And, um, I took that workshop with him. He liked me, brought me in for, um, a five and under, um, co-star. And, uh, <laughs> there's a whole story about that too, but, um, but yeah, uh, I, that was my first, first, um, first like television show that I booked and, um, I, they ended up cutting my scenes completely, but, uh, I got brought back in, um, I think two more times, uh, as different characters as different co-star roles. Um, but through that, I met, um, uh, Paul Wesley from Empire Diaries and he gave me a lot of advice and kind of gave me a blueprint of what to do and how to, you know, how to pursue acting on a professional level. I loved that story when you first told it to me because it made a lot of sense to me that you kind of did as someone outside of the industry need to be walked through what the steps are and just the idea, I think, which was new to you at the time that you could make a living as an actor if you weren't like Tom Cruise level. Yeah. Um, you know, because that was really, that was my mindset. And I think that was probably one of my hesitations too, for not, you know, trying to put together a classical and dipper monologue, you know, to major in theater, because I thought there were only, you know, if you were acting, you were either a movie star or, or you were poor. I didn't realize there was this in between, you know, and, um, you know, because there's not a huge television and film industry, uh, in South Carolina, at least there wasn't, um, when I was in school. And, um, so you don't have a whole lot of people there to kind of guide you and let you know what to do or how to do, or, or, you know, what the reality is. And so I was really fortunate to run into Paul and, and have some scenes with him. And, you know, I just, you know, he, I think he was 26 or 27 and I was like 19. And, um, but, uh, we were just goofing around and then, you know, I was like, man, I was like, is this, is this what you do? Is this like, this is how you make a living? He's like, yeah. Like, how do you do? He said, you know, I got a, got a manager and agent send out, send me out for auditions and, I go in and, you know, if I book them, then I work. And if I don't, I don't work. And I was like, okay, that sounds simple enough. <laughs> so I found an acting school out in LA that I wanted to study at. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of research and, and read some books on, on different uh, techniques and found that Meisner really spoke to me. And I found a school that was reputable and that I liked. And um, So I, you know, I had a school that I wanted to go to before I got a job. I moved out in LA, but. Um, I had the, I, I, you know, I finally had an idea of like what to do, you know, it's like, all right, I got to get better at acting. And then I got to, you know, try and get an agent so I can get some, you know, opportunities for paying jobs. Well, what was it like to move to LA with no connections to the business and try to find a foothold into such a competitive industry? Well, um, I think I was just, I was just kind of naively confident, you know, out of fresh out of school. Um, you know, and, and I, I believed in myself and, you know, I knew that, you know, I like, I'd been doing theater and, and making like, you know, home movies, you know, forever. And so, um, and I would, you know, I would show movies to school and stuff. And so I just like, you know what, I was like, I can do this. And, and, um, you know, and, and I'd always, I, I had a really, uh, profound work ethic that I developed from competing in swimming, you know? And, um, so I just, I, I don't know. I just believed in myself. Uh, but, um, you know, I was lucky to move out here with my best friend. You know, we've been best friends since we were 13 and, um, but we only knew one other person or two people out here. Um, so, I mean, that was the biggest shock was just like moving to Los Angeles because coming from Somerville, South Carolina, where there was, I think about 30,000 people in the town and moving to a place like LA, that was, that was a huge culture shock or, or I mean, not, I don't know if it was a culture shock, but it was just a shock, you know, just being in a huge city and, um, so, uh, I, I was, I wasn't nervous. I, there was never a doubt, um, at that point in time, I think I was just too brash and, and, um, and just was like, nah, you know, it'll work out. It'll, I'll make it. And, um, so I don't think that like doubt really started to like creep in until, uh, you know, you get older and older and you just realize how difficult it is. And, 
and how the cream of the crop from every city, you know, who wants to come out and make a living um, acting, uh, you, you, you know, you start to meet a, a lot of really talented, um, good looking people everywhere. And you're just like, Oh, there's, there's not a whole lot of separation between us all. And it's just like, you start to be like, is this just a luck thing? But yeah, I, again, I think, I think I, I, think I just kind of, I did my Emmy speech right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I even forgot what the original question was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was, I was, I think I was just naively confident coming out here. Like I, it was a shock, but I, I was never like completely derailed from what my goal was. So is there like a gig that you booked once you got to LA that you feel like put you on the map, I guess, career wise? Yeah. Um, Siberia, Siberia. I booked, I booked, man, that, that's a cool story. Um, I, up until that point, I had a, I had a commercial agent, um, which I, I booked my very first audition and then I got fired on it the same day, um, of shooting. And then I got a, I got a manager through my teacher who watched, saw me to play. And then, um, I didn't have a theatrical agent, but I was going out on some auditions, you know, like some ones that were like paying, not just like student films. Um, and, uh, I, I met the creator of the show Siberia at the bar that I was working at. He came there for lunch. He would come there for lunch often uh, to, to write the show that he was creating. And, you know, I didn't really know that about him, but uh, I ended up um, getting hammered drunk while working there. And um, we had apparently had a, an entire conversation. Um, we had a great time. I was having a great time um, working. And, um, and then I ended up getting fired within an hour of that, uh, of me being at work. And, um, and then, uh, apparently he came in two days after to get my phone number or to see if I was there. And, um, he found out that I got fired. And so he was able to get one of my coworkers or ex coworkers to convince him to give me his number or give him my number. And, and so a month later, I get a text out of the blue from this guy. Say, like, hey, Johnny, this is Matt Arnold. Uh, we talked at so, such and such, and I wanted to bring in for an audition for my show. And um, so I, I had no fucking clue who this was. And so I was just like, oh, hey, Matt, yeah, absolutely. Here's my email. Send me the auditions. So, you know, it was this kind of like indie, big NDA project. Um, and uh, there, you know, no one – no one really knew what it was and, and didn't think that it was going to be a big deal, but we ended up shooting a whole season um, in the fall of 2013 up in Canada and then, or the, of 2012 and then the spring of 2013. Um, and uh, NBC bought this show that was shot non-union after we'd shot a whole season of it and uh, it got aired, I think the summer of 2013. And so because I think because of that, it got me into the rooms of uh, pilots, which kind of gave me exposure and put me on the map and gave me some really invaluable um, experience. And it was also one of the best experiences of my life. So yeah, so I, I would have to say Siberia. Long-winded answer. Again, I got full, of, I'm full of them, Stephanie. I'm so happy. That's a great story. That is a great story. <laughs> Um, well, also before DH, you've done some primetime work on some high-profile shows like Westworld and Criminal Minds. So is there a pre-GH project besides Siberia that's closest to your heart? Criminal Minds does stand out for me. I think uh, because of the director, Diana, um, it, you know, she was she taught me a lot and, and gave me some really good direction. And, and that was, I think, uh, a show where I got or like an opportunity where I got to like uh, be on a show that I had watched a lot and um, was just a really popular show as well. Um, and to play something that I think was kind of uh, a lot different from anything else that I had played on, on television and um, got to kind of stretch my, my boundaries and show my range, I guess. And um, so that one's pretty close to my heart. And I got to work with her on another project called the passenger. And I, I really enjoyed the character work on that one too. So those, those both are close to my heart. And menthol. There's so many. God, I don't have I don't have a single project answer for this one. That's great. We prefer a, a truthful answer to a pared down one. I'll um, give you that. So I don't know if you shot this before or after you booked GH. 
but we have got to talk about your Gardasil commercial because I don't know that there is an individual that I have seen on my screen more often than you, Mr. Wachter. Tell us everything about, I mean, when did you shoot it? Did you have any idea that it was going to play every six seconds? Etc. These <laughs> are my questions. You know, I spotted it the first time, and I said, "Tomorrow, I go Johnny Wachter's on a commercial." We're getting <laughs> a lot of emails about it, and we have. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I had I had no idea that they were going to be playing the hell out of it like this. Um, I am extremely grateful for it, though. Um, but uh, <laughs> I I think it was two 2019. We shot it, and I remember getting I remember getting the notification for the audition and uh and i was like god ah, so i was like oh, i don't know if i want to be the face of an hpv vaccine and uh, my girlfriend at the time was like why i was like i don't know she's i was like that just doesn't seem like i'm you know like i want to be that guy and she was like fucking do it <laughs> and uh <laughs> she's like it's a good thing and i was like yeah you're right um and so i you know i went in and did it and um and ended up booking and it was my first uh, national commercial and uh and it ended up being a, a big one and we shot that in the summer of 2019 and they and i had you know kind of written it off as like maybe it's never going to air and then uh i think it was january of this year they started airing it and boy they haven't stopped and i am i'm i'm i'm, I'm kind of grateful and i think i get more i get more yeah i get more shout outs about that commercial than any other show or movie i've done you know i get friends from from school and friends from back home and family members are like sending me photos and um so yeah it's <laughs> i i had no idea that they'd run it like this though but i hope they continue to that's incredible you are mr gardasil they'll keep it i am i am <laughs> i hope they film another one and i get to wear a cape <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pivot to the Port Charles chapter of your career. Um, you mentioned to us in your first interview with Digest that you had auditioned for GH a few times before Brando came along and also auditioned mm -hmm. at Y&R. So what do you remember mm -hmm. about those experiences? Um, well, I remember, so I remember, I think my, so I auditioned for GH a couple times so, like a few years ago, three or four years. Well, actually, no, let's see. I've been on GH for two years now. So probably like five years ago. Um, I went into Mark's office, I think twice. And I remember the second time I felt, I felt like I gave the worst read I had ever given in my life. And I was like, well, I'm never getting called back into Mark's office again. Um, thankfully there was enough time that had passed where he forgot how shitty I was and he brought me back in. Uh, and then YNR, my, I, the last audition I had for that, I, I, I gave a really good read. I thought I, um, I had a great chance. I got in for, I think I got called back. Um, but, uh, just ended up not booking it. Um, I don't know who they went with, but, um, I'm, I'm glad that I got on GH instead. I'm glad, uh, Mark and Lisa brought me back in. <laughs> the power of temporary amnesia. Um, yeah. so when you did come in for Brando, which was at some point, I imagine in the latter part of 2019 was like, it, was it just another audition or was it a job you really wanted at that, at that point in your journey? You know, um, 2019 was a really, um, monumental year for me, um, in a lot of ways, but especially for my acting career. Um, it was really kind of the time when I was, I just had a lot more energy and, and focus. And, and, um, so I was, I was booking a lot in 2019. I, um, I think I booked like, I, I booked that commercial and I booked, I think three or four shows, a mini series. And, and then, so by the time I got that, uh, notification for GH, I was, um, I was just really kind of in the zone having worked a lot and then just really feeling strong about auditions and, I, I, uh, I, I really kind of adopted this mindset of like, I don't really care if I, if I book anything, I don't need to book anything anymore. Like I don't need it for financial reasons. Um, I don't need it for any sort of like validation. Um, and w whenever I made that kind of like mental switch, of course, that's when I start booking things. And, and so I didn't put a whole lot of weight on, on GH, like I wanted it or needed it. I was just like, you know, I treated, I, I, the sides that they gave me, which are always dummy sides, um, with, you know, and the characters, you kind of have to guess who they're talking about in the show. Um, 
but uh, I was just like, I'm just going to, you know, do what I would do, you know, in class or on any other show. It's just like play these circumstances as truthful as they are and, and commit to it. And so, um, so yeah, I didn't really have uh, a desire to, to really book it or not. Um, I was just, you know, I was like, I'm just going to go in and crush this. And I did. Well, did you have any hesitation about doing daytime? Um, I did a little bit, you know, honestly, uh, you know, there's this, um, it's like, uh, I mean, so I didn't watch a whole lot of soap operas growing up. Um, my grandma did, uh, my mom's mom. Um, she, she always had on young and the restless, bold and beautiful, um, uh, as the world turns. Yeah. She was a CBS mom. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so like, I, I was familiar with him, but I just, it wasn't something that, that I had watched. And, um, and then moving out here and being an actor, you know, there was like, you know, one of the things that was pitched about was like, don't ever do reality television if you want to be an actor. And if you do a soap then it's very hard to, you know, if you want to, you know, move on from, or like go, go elsewhere from that, then like, it's tough to do. Or, um, you know, there's this idea that there's soap acting and then acting for network television or cinematic acting. And, um, so having this kind of like, uh, perception of it, I, I, the first time that I went in for a soap opera years ago, I, you know, I, I think that was, uh, there was a reservation there. Um, but you know, by the time that I, you know, I came in for general hospital, this final time, it, there was no, there was no opinion on it. It was like, this is, this is an opportunity to act and like, and then, you know, you know, finally booking it too. Um, and then seeing how they, they work, like there is no soap acting, you know, there's, there's actors who are, are good at their job and, and you act within the given circumstances that being like, you got one or two takes, Oh, you got a hundred and you know, you got, you're, you're doing 70 pages today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, it's like, um, you know, it's like, you're just, you're, you're as good, if not a better actor than most actors in anything else. Um, so, uh, you know, any, any sort of like reservations or, or, um, uh, preconceived notions of it, uh, that I had before being on the show were completely eviscerated, um, by watching these people that I get to work with and see what they're capable of doing and then being so fucking impressed and then asking them advice on how, how do I do what you do? You know, um, were yeah, those were, those vanished. Um, well, I remember you telling me that when you very first were, uh, preparing to join the show, you had gotten the role, but hadn't started yet. And I believe you reached out to uh, a pal of yours who works in daytime, Mark Grossman, who is Adam mm -hmm. on YNR and asked him for some tips. Do you remember what, he told you about working in the genre? Um, you know, it's a lot of it was through my manager because, uh, we have the same manager and, uh, and he had, you know, like I, I, I went in for, I went in for another show or movie at an office, I guess at cast Y and R and I, and it was before that they, um, you know, announced him as Adam that, but I saw his photo up there you know, on underwords. And so I, you know, I was like, yo dude, I was like, I just saw, you know, you, you, uh, booked Adam uh, for YNR, like congratulations. Um, and, uh, and so we chatted a little bit, but then, uh, I talked with Marco, um, you know, who's our manager and, and, um, you know, was just telling me, uh, you know, the same, the things that prepared at or prepared Mark for Adam was doing a bunch of these, um, you know, these films, these feature length films that were shot, um, in two weeks, you know, um, which is as close as you can get to the kind of pace that, you know, we shoot in daytime television and, uh, you know, it's just showing up prepared. And so same thing from, from Mark, we, we texted a little bit, um, you know, we've since talked a lot more on the phone, but, uh, just texting a little bit, just kind of show up prepared. Like, you know, when you're there, like, uh, know your, know your damn lines. Um, and, uh, but other than that, it's just, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk a whole bunch about it. Um, but he, Mark's had a, a lot, a bigger, a bigger, more positive impact in my life. And, you know, before the soap too. So, um, but, uh, yeah. Shout out to Mr. Roseman then. Yeah. He's the man. <laughs>
I was like, wait, I feel like you need to elaborate on that a little for our <laughs> listeners who may be YNR fans. Man, uh, he just, you know, he just uh, helped me get on the right track. And, you know, like, like I said, 2019 was a big, um, was a, was a big year for me for beyond just my career, but uh, because of, you know, some changes I made in my life, uh, some years preceding that, um, you know, I was able to, to have, you know, the kind of year I did and then, and eventually book GH. So, um, just like, you know, his, uh, he's just, a, uh, he's just been a very kind individual and, and, um, has been a positive impact in my life and, and helped me, uh, you know, just helped me be the best version of myself and has been a, you know, a, been a good friend. That's awesome. So yeah, shout out yeah. to Mark Grossman. Yeah. Totally. Shout out to Mark. Totally. Um, so when you did join the show, I, I, if I remember correctly, you had like an insane amount of dialogue in one of your very first days, you know, what stands out to you about your first couple of days as Brando being really thrown into like a sink or swim kind of situation? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, d- the first day I, I was, uh, I wasn't too nervous. I was, you know, I came on set and I was like, uh, just feeling like I, you know, belonged and was like ready to be there. And that's not always the case when you walk onto a big set. Sometimes there's some kind of like imposter syndrome. Um, but, uh, it, I was just really, I was really kind of surprised at how much it felt like theater, like being on the stage. Um, you know, it's every, every scene is precious because you're only getting one, maybe two takes, but then, you know, you can't be precious about it. Just like, you know, when you're doing live theater and, um, and, uh, because there was a lot of big action sequences that we shot that day. Um, I just, we just had a lot of fun, you know, and getting to, you know, shoot guns and run and, and, uh, and save and save Carly and or take a bullet for her. And, it was, uh, that, yeah. So my first day was just kind of like, I, I felt, um, confident, but then this, my second day on set was when all of the, uh, advice from my manager and, and, and Mark about, uh, being prepared. Um, and you're going to have a lot of lines was when that I was really kind of like, I felt the pressure cause I think I had like 25 pages and knowing that, you know, you're only going to shoot one take. Um, I was extremely, I was extremely nervous. Um, and, uh, because I, I'd never shot anything like that. Um, you know, all my other experience in television and film had been, you know, you get multiple takes and, um, it's, uh, it, it's not, it's, it's not like, especially the, you know, the second day when you're kind of like, you're telling about your life. Right. So there's just a lot, there's a lot of like monologue, you know, portions, um, and I was just, I was just, yeah, I was just nervous. And to be, you know, um, I think the majority of my scenes were with Laura, right. And, um, uh, I was, you know, to be like, I was like, Oh man, like I gotta make sure that I'm like showing up, like she's a pro and like, I don't want her to think that like, you know, I'm a hack. And, um, but, uh, she was, she was awesome. You know, she was beyond just being like a great actress. Uh, she was helpful and understanding and like, you know, I'm sure she's seen a lot of actors in my position and having been, you know, the new person on a show herself at one point, um, you know, she was helpful, but yeah, it, it was, it was nerve wracking on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, well now Brando was of course introduced as a cousin of Sonny's. So tell us about working with another pro Maurice Bernard. He's the man too. Um, also, I mean, he's, I thought I, I was talking to him, uh, last week we were chatting in the parking lot and he's just, he's just someone that I, I really connect with. Um, he's got, a, he's got a lot of empathy and a lot of kindness in him. And, and he's told me, he's like, man, he's like, I'm, he's like, I've changed as a person. You know, he's like, if you would have known me, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. And, but, uh, you know, the Maurice that I know he's, he's so empathetic and, and has been so helpful. Um, you know, uh, in our scenes and, you know, just kind of outside when we're just chatting. Uh, but he's, uh, he's wonderful to act with because, um, he never tells you what to do. Um, but he has great ideas and, and, you know, he's, he's collaborative and, um, and just every time I'm in a scene with him, it's just, it's so easy to be grounded. I can look in his eyes and it's like, I feel everything that he's feeling. And, um, it's, uh, it really makes you, makes you present which is absolutely essential into, into doing authentic work. Um, you know, is being present and being able to turn off the noise 
of whatever's going around, you know, in your life outside the world or whatever's going on on set or whatever. So, um, yeah, he's one of my favorite people to work with. But you know, Johnny, I hosted an Instagram live with him a few months ago and you submitted a question to me uh, about if he was building a superhero from scratch, whether he would start with Steve Burton's biceps, Chad Duell's hair, or his own triceps. And he started pontificating about your shoulders and how they would definitely be in his superhero. And while we were talking behind him on television, a scene of you on General Hospital with no shirt on was airing. And we had a lot of giggles. Has he ever complimented your shoulders to you in person? No, no. He just reminds me that he's got the best triceps in the game. <laughs> uh, you know, he's got, he's, he, I don't think he's ever, he's ever gonna, he's not going to give me too much compliments. He doesn't want me to get a big head. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the, he's the head honcho. So he, if I, if he starts giving me too much fuel, then, um, you know, he, he might be worried that I might challenge him in, in the arms department. <laughs> he'll be he'll be sorely disappointed if I show him my triceps. <laughs> I remember that though. I was I remember watching that though, um, and uh, that was that was so funny when when I popped up behind him. <laughs> um, now, do you remember anyone who maybe showed you the ropes or took you under their wing when you first started? Um, I mean, besides Maurice and, 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 and Laura, um, cause those were the, those were two people that I worked with. I think the most, especially like in those first several months, um, you know, lots of little things. Um, but, uh, also Steve, um, you know, Steve gave Steve, you know, really, he kind of broke it down to me, like, you know, what, it, what it's like, you know, working in soaps, some, some to do's and not to do's um, you know, choices that I might have to make. Um, and, uh, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, he told me, which was again, kind of reiterating what my manager and, and, and Mark had given to me was just like, always be prepared, you know? And, uh, I'll tell you like Steve, Steve showed up every day. There was never a day where he didn't know his lines where he was fumbling or had to like, look, I mean, like this dude, he, he was a machine. Um, and so I, you know, from not just his words, but also just seeing him work. That was, uh, those were some huge things that I've, you know, put into, to my, uh, my time on GH as well, you know, just trying to emulate those, um, because, you know, we're, we're supremely fortunate to be in the position that we're at, you know, um, well, you know, he's not on GH right now, but, um, but, uh, you know, we're supremely fortunate to be, to be, be acting on television to, to have, you know, some, some stability. Um, you know, so it's like, don't, uh, don't take this for granted, like show up every day, give it your all. And so that's, no, that's what I do. Um, so yes, Steve was another one. And then also Lisa, Lissisro, she, one of the things she told me, um, and she, I, I, I mentioned this to her, um, and she was like, Oh, she's like, well, she's like, that's not my advice. Actually. I think I got that from Laura, right. So I don't know who to credit if this is Lisa or Laura, but Lisa told me this. And this was like my second or third week on the show. She was just like, Hey, she's like, honey, always remember. She's like, um, it's never as bad as you think it is. And it's never going to be as good as you want it to be. And so, you know, that's been really, really helpful on those days where I'm just like, I'm getting fired tomorrow because I can't act. I don't know what that was that I did up there, but it was not acting. I'm being replaced immediately. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to take my name off of my dressing room door, say goodbye. Thank you, everybody. You know, but, uh, so I have to remind myself of that. There's, there's a lot of days and she's right. You know, when I watch the show, I'm like, Oh, that wasn't nearly as terrible as I thought. And it's probably a lot, and probably a lot of it has to do with the uh, talented editors that we have too. Um, they're like, okay, maybe we'll just leave the camera on uh, Sophia here. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. So those are some, those are two people that gave me some good advice too. kind of took me under their wing, I guess. Pretty great. Well, Brando spent a great deal of 2020 uh, reluctantly working for Cyrus, which meant that you worked uh, a lot with Jeff Culver, uh, his portrayer. So tell us about working with Jeff. Oh, man. Um, 
he's equal parts intimidating and equal parts gentle and, and welcome welcoming. Uh, I, I get, I get along, I got along with Jeff so well. Um, he's such a, just like a, a, a very spirited, um, or spiritual, uh, man and, and, uh, and just supremely talented and, and, you know, has been working, um, you know, for, for decades and, um, you know, has so much wisdom and, um, you know, I think we were, we were able to connect, um, pretty deep uh, early on. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from him. There were so many times we were in our scenes together. I would just be kind of like, you know, forget that I'm acting or supposed to be acting in the scene. It's just cause I'm just like, kind of like watching him and just like, man, he's so good. <laughs> and then like, Oh yeah, I can save my line. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, working with Jeff is awesome. I, I miss him, man. I, uh, I know he's been, he's been, he's been back on the show a couple of times, um, but we haven't got to, you know, we haven't got to work together um, since, you know, since he, uh, he got sent off to prison. So I'm hoping that I get to see him again somehow that they worked that into the storyline. He's the best. Well, you also did just some lovely work with the story of Mike's Alzheimer's. Um, I mean, the whole story was great, but, you had some standout moments within it. Um, so when you look back, you know, what do you think about when you think about that storyline and also working with Max Gale? Man, well, you know, Max, Max and I, we only had two or three scenes together. Um, but the, the one scene that sticks out is like, um, and which was also really difficult as well to prepare for um, because, uh, you know, I, I have this, my storyline, I, you know, I have this like deep relationship um, with, with, with Mike and, uh, I haven't met Max yet. And, and so, um, the day that we had our scene together where Sonny's walking, um, we're walking Mike and, and I, and I say, Hey Mike. And, and like, he doesn't remember me. That was again, one of those scenes too, where I, you know, like watching an actor like Max, um, he was so in it. Um, and just like, you know, you just, you see like, he's like living that experience of, of, of Mike Corbin. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, I was in the scene, but I also kind of got to be a, a, a spectator. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I wish, I wish we got some more, more scenes. Um, uh, I do get to work with him again briefly and it was, it was great to, great to see him again. Um, and just, a, he's another guy that I miss, uh, because not just because he's an amazing actor, but, um, it's just a good, a good genuine dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, the, there was a scene that I, I had, um, where I come in and I think there's like, I think, uh, um, Jocelyn's there, uh, Michael's there, Willow's there, and then Sonny and, and Carly come in and, and I, I, I think Sonny had just left the room where he's, he's sitting with, with, with Mike and I had a scene with Sonny and it, it being about Mike was, that was one of my most memorable scenes, um, you know, when, when, when Max was, uh, on the show with that heavy storyline. Um, and it was just kind of like a, I did like this, you know, the Sonny. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of the most memorable moments from that, from that storyline. Well, um, moving into 2021, Brando's relationship with Sasha obviously became a much bigger focus of your storyline. Um, so tell us about your leading lady, Sophia Matson, and what she has been like to work with. Oh, I mean, it's really difficult because she's so difficult to look at. Um, <laughs> she's, tell me about it. She's heinous. Um, <laughs> uh, Man, it's, uh, I'm really lucky. She's, uh, she's just, she's a really, a really great actress. Um, she's a great human. Um, and, uh, you know, doing the storyline that, you know, that's, that's going on right now. Um, you really need trust, um, with the, per, you know, with the person that's playing, uh, you know, your love interest or, or baby mama, um, you know, because you're, you, you have to be very vulnerable and, and, um, uh, you know, just be, it'd be delicate with each other. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, that trust is so important. So you, there's, you know, that you kind of feel safe to, 
to be vulnerable and, and go to those places that are, that are necessary in order to, to give justice to uh, the circumstances of the story. And, um, you know, she is, um, she was like, she, she's just, she was so willing to, to show up and, and, um, and commit to it as much as I, I was. And because of that, it was like, it was empowering, you know, for, for me to, to go there and, um, and, um, you know, just because, and also, you know, on top of that, you know, her being just like a, a great person and talented actress, like, um, it, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's inspiring and like, you know, it's exciting to come to work when you, when you have someone that like that, that you're working with often. And, um, so I'm, I'm supremely lucky, you know, to get to work with her so much. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I hope she, I hope she gets an Emmy. Um, cause she's been doing such, such great work, not just like with this storyline, but you know, um, that scene too, where, you know, she, uh, had the cocaine overdose, you know, when we're in Cyrus's apartment and, um, and so many other scenes, I mean, and she's been on the show for a while. And so, um, she's just, uh, she's a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fortunate. Well, speaking of great work, you have been doing a lot yourself in the last few weeks. We've seen the tragic story of Brando and Sasha's baby unfold. So when did you first find out that the baby wasn't going to survive? Oh man. Um, I found out it's probably like a, a week or two before, um, a week or two before we started filming the scene where uh, Sasha's water breaks. Uh, Frank told me, he's like, you guys are going to, or, or wait, no, it might've been before that. Um, yeah, it might have been before that. I, I think it, it might have been like as early as, uh, you know, us, you know, making love in, in the back of the Bronco. I think it was <laughs> oh. around then that Frank was like, <laughs> so you guys are going to have a baby and it's not going to make it. And I was just like, Jesus, dude, come on, man. God. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, but, you know, I think it was, I think it might have been a, a week before we started filming that scene before her water breaks that, um, that Frank kind of took, uh, Sasha and I aside and, and, or Sophia and I aside and was like, um, Hey, um, you know, like this is, this is going to be a very important storyline. Like make sure you guys are, you know, bringing your A game. And, um, you know, was basically, you know, giving us, pepping us up and just reminding us of like, um, the importance of it and to, and to make sure that, you know, we're not slacking off and, and, and bringing it and, and to bring it. And so, uh, yeah. So I, I, I think it, I think it might've been after God, that might be wrong too. I don't remember. I don't remember when I found out. Okay. Those are the possibilities. Though. Do you remember how you found out and some possible timeline? And so we'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how, you know, this is like the heaviest emotional storyline that you've been tasked with playing on the show. I think it's fair to say. Um, mm-hmm. So how did you, uh, I don't know, prepare yourself. And then what was it like to be living through that experience through your work day after day? Well, I was going to random nurseries and picking up babies, and kidnapping them and, and just trying to play father. My preparation, um, a lot of, a lot of imagination work, you know, uh, I don't, I don't have children. Um, I love kids though. You know, I've worked with a lot of kids. I used to be a, a swim coach. Um, for several years and I taught uh, private lessons. So, you know, most, of uh, most of the kids I taught were between the ages of like four to 17, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't have kids of my own. So, um, a lot of imagination work, which is the foundation of, um, my acting anyways. And so, uh, I was, I was very nervous about this storyline, um, because I didn't want to force anything Um, but, um, I also, from, you know, what I've talked to, um, to many of my friends that have children, a lot of my, a lot of my friends are actually, um, new parents, um, including Sophia, um, you know, like, so I had an understanding, like, you know, the, the love that a parent has for their child is, is, um, is unlike anything else, you know, and, uh, been fortunate to be in love, you know, several times and I love my family members, but. I've never created a human before. And so, you know, all I can do is, is imagine. And so, you know, for me, that preparation, um, you know, I, I talked to my acting teacher 
Stuart Rogers a lot. Um, he was extremely helpful and kind of getting me in the headspace. And, and so I, you know, I created a, a little Liam, um, for me. Um, and, uh, and you have to kind of, um, just spend a lot of time up here in that world of like the, uh, this imaginary history that I have with, uh, Sasha Gilmore. Um, and you know, everything that led up to the Bronco, you know, uh, us making love on the Bronco to, um, you know, what that pregnancy had been like from, you know, the scenes on the show and also making up scenes in my head, you know, that, uh, that weren't in the show. Um, and so trying to create this life that I've had with Sophia and her being, um, or excuse me, Sasha and her being pregnant and, um, and, you know, talking to, you know, her stomach as if Liam was real and, and, you know, getting excited and, and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, dealing with the reality of the circumstances in these scenes where, you know, you've got, um, Dr. Westborn coming in and, and, and telling us like, you know, the, what the situation is and, and then, yeah, just giving yourself the, the freedom to, to play given that those circumstances that were given are real. Um, so that's kind of what my preparation is like for this. Yeah. Well, what did it mean to you that the show gave you such a heavy storyline and did that put any pressure on you to really deliver? hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to say that like, I didn't feel pressure, but you know, you do, um, because, uh, you know, when you have, you know, the executive producer, you know, take you, take you and, 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 um, and Sophia aside and, and, and tell you the importance of this and to, and to bring it like, there's, uh, there's a hundred percent, a lot of pressure that you feel. And, um, you know, but it's, it's important. It was important for me to, to turn that pressure into, into fuel, you know, it's like, okay, this isn't, he's not saying like do a good job or, you know, you know, you're going to ruin the show or it's not going to be good or you're done here. It's, it's like, Hey, this is a, a friendly reminder. Like we're giving you a great opportunity you know, to, to do something great for the show. And so I, I took it as that and, and just like as a opportunity to, um, to show up and, and perform and to put the work in. And that's, you know, that's why I became an actor was like to tell stories, right. And to, and to tell them truthfully so I can connect with, with people that I've never met before, um, give them an escape or, or give them or, or connect with them and possibly people that I'll never meet. Um, where they feel seen or their story, their real life story, um, you know, is heard. And so people can empathize with them. And so, you know, when they meet or when, you know, when someone else meets that real person in their real life and they've seen the show, they're able to kind of empathize a, a little more with people or with a person who's actually gone through that. So, um, you know, I, yeah, there was pressure, but it's all about kind of like, yeah, turning into that, that positive fuel. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I just grateful, grateful for the opportunity because it, it means a lot. It means that they, um, you know, they trusted, trusted me and they trusted, um, you know, Sophia to, to be able to handle this and, and to, uh, and to do a, a fine job. And I, I think that we, we both have, um, you know, from, for the most part, I'm sure there's definitely scenes where we're like, ah, oh, we could have done that a little better, but yeah, it's, uh, really, really grateful to Frank and, and the writers to, and the producers for like giving us the opportunity to, to do it. Well, at the time that we're having this conversation, <clears throat> not all of the storyline has aired. So I know you haven't seen everything, but I am curious to know because I've talked to you enough to know that you could be very critical of your own work, but I want to know if there were scenes, specific scenes or days of work where you walked away feeling like, you know what? I am satisfied with that. I went to where I hoped I could go. Yeah. Um, I think there were just as many days where I, I felt, I felt satisfied with, um, I felt satisfied with, with, I don't want to say the performance. Um, but, but I, I felt like the circumstances were, were living in me. Like I, I felt that whatever came out was, was at the very least authentic, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's the gauge for me is like, okay, was it, was that authentic, you know, but oftentimes I will, I will try to measure a scene, um, whether I think it was emotionally relative to the circumstances 
and that's when I, you know, can become like a really harsh critic, uh, like, you know, Mara, um, and, uh, and it's very easy for me to, to go down that road, uh, because, um, so often I think our, our, our work is, is judged by how does it make the, the viewer feel, or is it emoting something in them? And so then I confuse that with thinking, well, I need to emote something in order for them to emote something. And, um, so there were several days where I, I felt satisfied because I was like, oh, my, my emotional attachment to the circumstances were, were revving high, you know? And then there are just as many days where I'm just like, I felt numb, completely unaffected by anybody and the circumstances. I, I looked at, I was looking at, 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 at Sasha in the eyes and she had so much going on and I just felt blank. I'm getting fired. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I can have conversations with, you know, Sophia and, and, uh, and, you know, conversation with the directors and some of the other actors and, and my teacher and, 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 you know, they can give me, you know, you know, who knows if it's truthful, but like, you know, they can give me their honest opinion, but, um, you know, what's really helpful for me is to be able to kind of talk to my teacher and just be like, you know, he's like, well, you know, we're, did, you know, were you connected to the circumstances? Were you connected to the person in the scene? Is it, is it possible that you're going through all this and, one of your defense mechanisms in real life might be that you're numb and you're like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess so. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Half the days I felt like that I was satisfied the other half. I, I, uh, I did not. Um, but uh, you know, after watching some of the episodes now, um, you know, I'm a, a little less critical and again, you know, Lisa's advice, it's, never as bad as you think it is. And, and, uh, the ones that I thought that were, you know, not good or that I wasn't connected, um, are actually very connected, you know, and, and real. Um, I really feel grounded and, um, uh, and so does everyone in the scenes too. Like they just, they're grounded and in it. So. Well, what would you like to see happen with Brando and Sasha in the wake of this loss? Man, I hope we become a super couple. Um, I hope we come, we become the next Luke and Laura, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, it's, uh, I'd like to see, I, I like, I like happy endings. Um, I'd like to see something so devastating, uh, bring two people together and, and, and make them stronger, um, as opposed to it being, which being something that completely, you know, um, divides them apart, you know, because it's too painful to be with the other person, which is a, a very real possibility you know, with these circumstances. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what it'll be, but I, I hope it brings, I hope it brings Brando and, and Sasha together. Before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to say just directly to the general hospital fans who may be listening, who uh, have embraced you as Brando and uh, as uh, given the timing of this conversation have probably really been through the emotional ringer with you as Brando in the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to apologize for my, my dirty mouth. I've got a good heart, but a dirty mouth. Um, <laughs> so if you're offended by the F word, I apologize. Um, but, uh, I do want to say, um, thank you for, for watching and, 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 you know, accepting us onto the show, because I know many of you have been watching for, for decades and how important, uh, the show is and how important these characters are. Um, so, you know, and, and to be welcomed, um, you know, is, uh, it's a huge honor. So I'm grateful to, to be on the show because, uh, some of the fans that I've had the pleasure of meeting and, and talking to, whether, you know, they're strangers or they're, you know, parents or grandparents of, you know, friends of mine that I've grown up with. Like, it was just, it was something that I was, I was not aware of, like the, the GH fandom, um, and how important it is, you know, like, I know that you guys watch, Monday through Friday, two o'clock, you're tuning in. So religiously, and, uh, I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. Um, so, so thank you. Um, and, uh, I also apologize if, um, if this current storyline's making, making you cry, but also at the same time, you're welcome. Um, and, uh, I hope you guys are Brasha fans and, um, and, uh, yeah, hope you guys keep on watching and happy holidays. It was so great to get to know you, to meet you, talk to you today. And we thank you so much for all your time and hope you have a very happy holiday.
Yeah, thank you. And, and you too, Stephanie. Well, it's great to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. And hopefully in 2022, we'll do it again. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Johnny Wachter for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.